You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. We thought uh, what we would like to do tonight, because um, it was going to be a date night and we were asked if we would do something about marriage. Um, uh, we've actually never spoken about marriage at all, I don't think, not, not specifically. Um, and so what I thought we would do is a couple of things. Uh, uh, I, th- I think marriage is one of the best relational things that people can be engaged in it can be heaven on earth and it can be hell on earth so if it's done really really well there is nothing like it if it's done really really bad like badly there's nothing like it and uh, unfortunately in our society um, I think we mostly get to hear about the ones that it's not done really really well I remember being in a in a church uh, quite some time ago um, in the early 90s and, uh, and there was a whole generation of young adults who'd come through in the 80s and, uh, and if you know that generation well they're afraid to commit and what they were saying to me is like all the stories we hear are the war stories and uh, because everyone wants to tell their, their gruesome stories don't they and uh, of course over the years you, you get to have quite a few um, but it was kind of like, and it just made me realise, man, you guys need to hear us saying how amazing this is. Like, this is, this is incredible. When you get marriage right, honestly, it's, uh, it, it is, I, I, I don't have the words for it, it's glorious. Um, but it doesn't just happen. Um, you don't, you know, just if you don't watch it, and I've, we've been in pastoral ministry for a long time, um, and unfortunately, I've had people sitting in my office uh, who have not done anything wrong. They've just got tired with each other and, and they've just become familiar with each other. So um, I'm kind of like I've grown up in the world of being the Bible teacher. So uh, I don't know how, how well you read the Bible or if, you, you know, if it's really uh, important in your life um, or just where that might all sit with you. But of course, um, for me as a, as a pastor, it's like it's really important to me and, uh, and I read it all the time. And I've discovered that there are lots of powerful things in there that just help us in, uh, in getting life right. Um, I wanted to just start off by saying though tonight that, because I don't, I'd like I mean, to be honest, I know two people in the room really well and I know another two people kind of well and I know another two people like vaguely so there's so like you know the rest of you have kind of like I've just met tonight so I have no idea what's going on at home and uh, and only you two guys know what's going on in your home you know so I just do want to just say right up front if it's really really not going well then there are plenty of people who can help okay and it's a mistake that we make is when we might be having a real, really bad time in our relationship and we don't go seeking help. So uh, if, if, you, if you are in a situation um, where you need help, look, I don't know who you know in this room really well, but Annette's the pastor here, so go and talk to her. You know, if she doesn't have can't help and she may not be able to but she certainly would know where to point you 
and uh, and I'd like to just encourage you to do that because I think I think your your marriage is worth fighting for, I really do. So here's here's some just to start it off. Uh, I thought I'd actually teach you something that actually comes from the Bible. It's from Revelation chapter two. Um, and it's verse 4 and 5. Now, it's got nothing to do with marriage, but in some sense, it's got everything to do with marriage. Um, what, the, what the verse actually says, it's, it's Jesus talking to a church. And if you really know the whole Bible thing really, really well, then you'll know that Jesus kind of like treats the church like his bride. And so what he's about to say to, this, to his bride actually kind of works in our ordinary relationships because we're husbands and wives and so in this particular one in revelation chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 he in verse 4 he says here's the problem is that everything that you're doing is like like you know it's fine but you've lost your first love so just remember for a moment just remember when guys remember when your beautiful bride beside you was walking down the aisle. Just remember that. Um, I, rem I remember before Christine walked down the aisle, I was sitting in the front row of a church building with my brother beside me. He was my best man. And I remember th sitting there thinking to myself, oh my goodness me, this is real. <laughs> I am not watching somebody else's marriage. This is mine. Like, you know, this is like, the, everything changes from this moment on. Like, I mean, uh, if you see the photos of me from then, I just kind of look like I'm white. And uh, every, you know, I am not that guy who when he saw his bride walking down the aisle, he burst into tears. And um, was that any of you guys? Did any of you? No, there you go. So you get me pretty well then. Um, Okay, I have married so many couples as a pastor. I have been to, I don't know how many weddings, but I have married so many people. I can tell you this, I have never once married anybody who is thinking to themselves, I do not want to marry this person, I'm, I'm out of here. I have never married anyone who thinks that. Something happens from that, that moment when they were just like, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. I am so smitten. In like, I mean, the, the soppy words that come out of, the, out of the groom when he's giving his speech, like some of them are just like so, oh, my goodness me. They start off just absolutely smitten in love. Something happens to the day when they're in the divorce court. Something happened because they didn't start off that way. Something happened back in there somewhere because it started off on a good foot. So what was it that happened along the way? So in this particular thing, Jesus says to his bride, to his church, you've lost your first love. Then in verse 5, he tells the church what he wants them, how to, how to get out of that rut that they're in. And so what, it happened, what he says is going to work for all of us. So here's just a little bit of Bible teaching, and then I'm going to hand to Christine 
and uh, flesh it out and make it sort of like real and alive for us. But he says, I want you to remember the height from which you've fallen. I want you to repent and I want you to do what you did at first. And here's something really, really important is that in order to come back to that first love, when you've lost your first love, when, when you would no longer be sitting down the front aisle just thinking, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Like, and you're just like, look, well, could we just get this over and done with? And you're done with it. Remember what you did at first. Just remember. Remember what it was like back in those old days. We got married in 1988. So remember what it was like in 1988. Repent. I'm going to change everything for you right now because repent just sounds like a big Christian word and it sounds like say you're sorry, try, try harder next time. Stop doing what you're doing. Repent sounds like a real like this. It's actually not what the word means at all. It's what Christians think it means. But repent means change your mind. Change the way you're thinking about what's happening at the moment and do what you did at first. So, Chris, you've got your, your uh, microphone there. If you could just talk to us about what it might mean to remember uh, the height from which you've fallen, and if you want to take that. So, I, I thought that we would do that as a couple, and uh, we would actually remember what we did at first. And, uh, and I was thinking on the way here, and, and a new one, because we were talking about the other day, a new one I remembered was that you used to give me neck massages. Uh-oh. And your neck massages would go for like half an hour. Now, the neck massages now are like a minute and a half. So that was really good. Um, I remember that uh, we used to do bushwalking and we'd go on picnics. Um, I remember we'd write each other letters because it was pre you know, mobile phone. Pre-social media. Yeah. So we'd write long letters to each other. Um, I, I remember you would write cards and put them, put them around. I stopped writing cards because you didn't like them. Well, I don't remember saying that to you. I don't like flowers. Yeah, see, I stopped, writing, I stopped giving you flowers too because you're just I like, they cost a lot of money. <laughs> like I preferred chocolate but 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 you know my waistline didn't want me we wouldn't allow me to have more chocolate and, but I did like cards do you remember when you used to like sometimes every now and then you'd make me lunch and you'd put like a little tiny I love you little note halfway in between the sandwiches I did used to like that <laughs> I I um I do remember putting a little little notes in your bag when you used to when you used to go away, I'd put a note in between shirts yep. or whatever. So after he'd been away for a week or so, he'd find a little note from me. I do remember that. I, rem I remember the cards where There's you... There's a lot of things we remember that we didn't... I, I, I remember the cards you used to write that actually had vaguely rude innuendos to it. <laughs> when we were going, when we were packing up the house and, and getting rid of things, there... This is for us going to America... There was a number of cards that we read and laughed and thought, no, we better get rid of them. We don't want the kids to find them. So it was just... So, yes, we do. But, look, we used to do... Um, 
Excuse me. I used to play the Bible game with you a lot when we first married. Yeah, you might want to explain that one to them. So, so we'd, we'd um, it'd be, or normally we'd, it'd be when we get into bed, wouldn't it? And, and you'd just sit there and I'd find a Bible verse and I'd just read it out and he had to tell me where it came from. And uh, he loved that. And I, I enjoyed trying to find it. It was better than that game. <laughs> yeah, and she I, would just start reading from the Bible and I wasn't allowed to see where she was. Like, I mean, because I... I, I was very competitive. So I, I, my very first ministry was uh, I started a Bible college. Okay, so, like, this was kind of my deal. And, uh, and I'd, I'd see ba- basically where she was in the Bible just by how many pages in she was. So I'd have a guess as to immediately where she was. But and, and you have to know, to be honest, there's been a few times when I've got into bed and I've thought... I should play that Bible game with him, and he really loves that. But honestly, now I get into bed, and I'm so flogged, I just won't go to sleep. <laughs> so tired. And you know when we were first, when we were first going out, and you'd, you'd sort of accidentally touch one another, and I'd be like, you know. Like that uh, come on, just admit it. You used to get tingles, just like, <gasps> sure, like, man. <laughs> he still does. <laughs> come on. used to do is you used to come along to my music stuff you joined you joined the choir christine was the was in charge of choir at our church we were so busy like i mean we were like five six seven nights a week out all the time just doing christian stuff and really it was too much um and there was one stage it's just like the only way i could get to see her was if i joined choir because you know, I, I think I was probably a pain in the neck for you, though. No, no, you're all right. You came along. You came along also and saw me in a musical. That was, that. You have never that was hilarious. That was hilarious. Have you ever been to like a really not classy Gilbert and Sullivan, <laughs> like by the local Gilbert and Sullivan Society? I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, like, like seriously, we're in this old church hall. And there was a guy who was on the piano down the front who must have been like about 85, 90 years of age. And if somebody on stage forgot their lines, he would just start singing it really loud until they caught up to him. And I just, that was bad. I was like, it was hilarious. Sorry. Remember the things you did at first. It is, it is a very special time, that, that first time, isn't it? And you... You don't want to stay there because there's a depth of love that comes beyond that that you experience as you, you know, you live life together through through tough times. Um, but perhaps there's things that you know you did it first and and you've forgotten about. So here's your chance. Have a little chat. Give you five minutes. Have a talk. What's something that you did at first? Just talk about what you did at first that you love doing together. Back then. You're all on your own. Here we go. No one's listening.
Yeah, we're going to throw it too. We're going to see if anyone wants to share. Are you going? Starting to remember things that you've forgotten. Anyone want to share something you used to do? I do. I have a funny one. Big voice. short visit and I loved him so much that I said how can we make this more comfortable for you we need a 
comfortable. That's how much I loved him. That is love. Real love would have followed through and done it. Anyone else got something they'd like to share? Come on, first day dates. You reminded me because we used to do the, the I did the notes in the sandwiches, but my husband was a teacher and he was always ravenous when it came to lunchtime. So he, I got in trouble by his mum because she worked at the same school. He took a bite and nearly choked on my love note. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Um, I remember when we were going out, that Bruce would take me out, out on the um, water on his catamaran and I just remember just feeling so at peace and just loving just being out there with him. So, fess up, when was the last time you did that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair, is it? I just put him on the spot. Anyone else? Yeah. <laughs> Had to buy a ring. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyone else? We remembered one thing we, we didn't want to repeat or do again, which was attempt to eat like a whole tub of ice cream like in one sitting, which was so appalling. We still remember that. That was our, like our first memory. We just remember, wasn't it, the ice cream time. Um, but we also remember we used to do some uh, rock dancing and new folk dancing, and that was good fun. So we enjoyed that. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Over yep. to me. Over to you. Over to me. Okay. So the very first thing, and it's not like saying that you, know, you should go back and do everything that you did. Like I mean, it's it's you know it's just but just remember. Remember, because sometimes just to remember actually just refocuses you back to what it was that, why it was that you fell in love with the person you're sitting beside and uh, why, why they were so special. Um, as I said uh, before, I have married many, many, many people. I will so often, I will listen, typically, because I get the husband speech more than... The bride speech. I, I really don't get women. Um, like none of the guys here, we do. It's just they they just have this thing going on in their head, which is bizarre on occasion. <laughs> it is, um, but uh, I, honestly, I will sit there and I'll listen to a young groom there on the wedding at the reception, and just gushing over his bride and declaring his undying love for her and how deep it is. And, and I will sit there and I will think to myself, you know what? He's actually telling the truth. He has no idea the depth of what he's saying. He has no idea how brilliant that is going to become. He has no idea that in 30 years' time, what he is experiencing back there is just a seed in comparison to what he's got in 30 years' time. But he's saying it exactly the truth. So 
he will use exactly the same words as the husband of 30 years or 40 years of amazing marriage, but the depth, it just becomes more and more amazing. Um, I've, so I, I sometimes just sit there and, and I just think, mate, you have no idea how powerful what you're saying really is. But stay there and you will discover it. Um, I want to just talk about the second part of the equation. Remember, repent, and uh, like, and remember that what I said about repent. It's not you're a naughty, you're a naughty boy, you're a naughty girl. Stop doing what you're doing and try harder next time. It's not about trying harder. Um, it's about changing the way you think about each other. Um, I'll tell you what, it's about changing the way you think about things that are happening in your family and in your home. Um, studies have shown this, that one of the biggest difficulties between a, a couple, like, I mean, there are some major stress points in marriage. Finances is a really big one. And financial stress is huge. And guys and, and men and women, we tend to deal and resolve issues differently with each other. Um, uh, men, and I'm going to speak very gen generalisation, okay? So this isn't going to be totally true, but it just as a general, general principle, men want to solve the problem. And so what men typically do is that when there's a problem, they don't want to talk about it. They want to solve the problem. And if they can't solve the problem, what we do, girls, is that we go into our cave. Now, it looks like we're watching the footy. But we're actually in our cave. We're, 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 we're internalising. We're, we're trying to work out the answer to the problem because we want to solve problems. Um, you, you girls, you want, you want to solve the problem too, but you want to talk about it. That's... That's how, how you, like, we don't want to talk about it because talking about it is not solving the problem. And, and so to understand each other that, you know, if, if, if you've got a problem and he just says, hmm, why won't you talk about it? Well, it's, it's just kind of like we're wired just a little bit differently. And, guys, it's important to know that when she is asking you, she's actually not saying she wants the answer to the problem. She's wanting to circle around the problem and navigate all the, all the possibilities and the options. She's wanting to actually understand the problem uh, and to know that you're on the same page and understanding the problem with her. It's, we're just wired a little bit differently. Um, so, crazy one that gets in the way of this is the toothpaste. That's actually documented. Who are the squeezers and who are the rollers? Like, I mean, you can't do it anymore. They, they made it plastic so that you can't roll the, 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 the toothpaste up in the day. But if you're old enough, you remember the day when toothpaste containers used to be made out of, like, aluminium or something like that, and you could actually roll that thing up and get all the toothpaste out, and other people squeeze it. And you've got to believe the number of problems that happen in marriages just because of dumb little things. Like, you know, uh, you didn't wash the cup when you finished with it, or you put it on the side, but you're supposed to put it... It's just like, 
all these little tiny, tiny things. You know, the jocks on the floor. Uh, it's, you know, the fact that the towel was left on the floor and not hung up or that it was hung up wrongly. You know, it's just all these different little tiny, tiny things um, that become a real big problem. Here's what the scripture is saying to us in this whole thing about repent. It's about changing your mind. It's about changing the, your mind about what's really important. Understand what are the really important issues. Now, if the kids are going crazy or wild and one of your kids is, is dabbling with drugs or something like that, that's a big issue. Um, you know, w whether or not you sniff... I use that one because you've been telling me lately I sniff, just, you know. Um, well, it's better than that. Uh, you know, it's just... It, it's, but do you know what I'm saying? It's like working out within yourself what is really an important thing to you. Here is the thing. We're not in competition. She is not my opponent. I'm not in a battle with her. They talk about the battle of the sexes. It's not true. It's the partnership of the, of the sexes. If there's a difference in opinion about something, here's what I've learnt. And it's, a, and it's a military thing. You have to figure out which hill you are prepared to die on and then be prepared to give up on every other hill. Like, I will fight over this one. This one is really important. I'm going to fight for my children. I'm going to fight for, you know, you put it in in your particular circumstances, but everything else, I'm, I'll, I'll pre be prepared to, to yield ground, okay? Because we make battles over everything. And, uh, and uh, so we need to change our mind about the circumstances that we're in. Okay, um, one of the things that uh, we learnt really early in the piece is, and I don't know if this was you or, or me who came up with this idea, but one of us came up with the thought, I'll, I'll, I'll say it was me because that just makes me... I think me it actually was you. Okay. If so you, you know where I'm going. Say, well, I think I know where you're going. Okay. Um, I, I, I just woke up one morning. Chris was annoying me about something. She was doing something that was just annoying. Um, I know it's hard to believe, but it happens. And, and, I, and I woke up and I, and I thought to myself, she didn't wake up this morning thinking to herself, right, how can I really annoy Ian? I'm going to do this. That she didn't do that. So she, she is annoying me, but she didn't wake up with the intent purpose to annoy me. So it just helped change the way I'm seeing the annoyance. It wasn't coming from in here. It was just coming from circumstance. And so therefore we could talk about it and discuss it. But it's not going to be this really... It's not going to be a fight because she didn't wake up thinking... How was she going to annoy me? If she did, well, it would have been a fight. Well, I think from, from the beginning we just decided that, you know, th there is an integrity of love there that we will choose... We don't choose to annoy each other. 
and uh, and I just decided that you know when when things were annoying me, I did the same thing. Ian did not wake up this morning and say, "How can I annoy Christine today?" Uh, so it, you talk about the issue rather than because the heart isn't there. You know. So do you remember? Part of being an annoying person is not there. So you, you make that assumption. And, and then it, it enables each of you to step into that as well um, because we, we each have that expectation of the other person. No, your heart's right. Yeah, my heart is right. So do you know what I mean? It's like when Jesus forgives us and, and says, no, you are an amazing person. You're a person of integrity and a person of worth. And when we hear that from Jesus, we actually step in and we become that. And it's the same in that relationship with your husband and wife. Do you remember, like, in our early married time, like, I mean, and my, my work practices back then were bizarre. And, uh, and there was a time where I suddenly realised that, that my, my wife was raising two kids on her own because I was at work all the time and, uh, and doing 80-plus hours a week and... And that's just not a sustainable model. And particularly when you've got little tiny kids and particularly when one of them is really one of those just full-on wild kids, okay? So, uh, um, but that was a, a time where it's important for you to realise that I wasn't waking up thinking, how can I just abandon Chris and the kids? but there were just work principles and practices that I had to learn and come to deal with. And in that time, um, I, I, was, I was young and in my faith, I thought, oh no, I want to serve the Lord and I want Ian to serve the Lord. And so it was, it was a bit like, no, I will submit to, you know, God's got a call on his life and it's 80 hours a week and God's called me to this and... And then I started to realise, hold on a minute, this is not good. But I wasn't sure. Um, like when Ian was in, Ian went to New Guinea for a month, I went to night church with two small children every week while he was away. And people would say to me, oh, you're so amazing coming to night church on your own with two little kids. What somebody should have been saying to me was, go home. Put Stop being a nut. <laughs> and have a night and rest up. Your husband's not... Anyway, I didn't know that. I, but I, I, and I wasn't sure. I didn't know what my motivations, what, what was right. So I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if I'm, if I'm being selfish, then, then you, you know, nothing will change. But if you think that, that Ian should be home more, you talk to him. And he did. He was like within a couple of days, he, he came back and, and said uh, that, you know, the Lord said he needs to be around more and made Well, some like, changes. I mean, I, I actually had a profound experience when I was in Papua New Guinea. Um, I was up there for four weeks uh, doing a, a lot of training in their Bible college up there and doing ministry out and about in, in churches in Papua New Guinea. And uh, there was one time I was in the office there in the main uh, church, large church, a couple of thousand people, and uh, and I rang up home and Chris answered the phone and and she's just like, yeah, yeah, just like, can you just hurry up and get this over with? Because she just had two little kids who were sick at the time because they always did get sick when I was away. Um, 
and uh, and she just said uh, at one stage she just said oh look do you want to talk to your to your daughter she started speaking and I remember just thinking to myself what am I doing like you know these Bible college students can get any number of lecturers but my kids have got one dad and like it's not that I'm missing out it's that they're missing out because of what I'm doing and so that was actually a big uh, wake-up uh, call for me um, I, I think one of the things that, uh, that has been important for me is that over, over the years, it's just Chris is Chris. Um, like, I mean, I know her. She, like, I mean, she, I live with her. She's, I wake up beside her. It's just like, you know, um, and I see her in her finest moments and I see her in her not finest moments. Just like, she's Chris. Um, you 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 got to be careful that you just don't become familiar with with her, and because when that happens, I actually stop to see who she really is. Um, the way I've the way I've learnt to to address that one within myself is that I remind myself, like I mean. You have to understand, like, once again, I don't know where you're all at with the whole Christian deal, okay? But I, I know that there is a God in heaven who loves me, unbelievably crazy loves me, so much so that he sent his own son to die on a cross for me. I know that. I know that Jesus thinks I am worth the effort. I know that. My, my faith then is a very... It's a, it's personal. It's not that I believe a book. I do believe the book, but it's like I, I, I have a relationship with that God. And he's more than a creator for me. He's a father. Like, and he's not just an aloof father like a, 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 an earthly dad might be, but he's actually he's a, he's the kind of dad who stands beside me, cheers me on and, you know, just tells me I can do it and... and Tells me to yeah jump off the cliff yeah and just you can do that just doing crazy scary things and just amazing things and making life incredible that's my relationship with God okay now the problem I can have with that is that I can forget that that's what he thinks of her so if you are a person like that I just want you to realize that the person you're married to who is not you is somebody that God the Father thinks the world of. So I have to, when I look at Chris, I have to see someone who, who Father God loves so much that he sent his own son Jesus to die for her. Like, he thinks she's significant. Now, I've just, I get used to her because I live with her. I see, I see the bits where she's great and I see the bits where she... Is not great. Like, I mean, we're all human, aren't we? And, but I'll tell you what, the whole thing with familiarity is that I can start to forget who she really is. Now, here's the deal. If I don't love her, it's because I'm not understanding how God loves her. And if I'm not understanding how God loves her, it's because I'm not understanding how he loves me. So I'm actually... There's something has gone amiss in here when I take her for granted. But all I have to do 
in this whole thing that called repentance changing my mind, I just have to change my mind about her. She's not my wife. She's my wife who is deeply loved and chosen by Almighty God. Like, I mean, so suddenly I've got this amazingly awesome creature who has got the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God. Jesus died for her. I mean, she's got faith and hope and she's got promise all over her and, and she's, got, she's got heaven backing her. Um, I better treat her right. Like, like she's really special. And I get that just by changing the way I think about her. Now, I've changed my way I think about her because I'm understanding who she really is. Because <clears throat> in married life, we have to war against familiarity. Um, I'll, I'll tell you one. Let, let me just cut to the quick. I know this cuts to the quick for guys, but I've been around long enough now to understand that for a lot of women it cuts to the quick too. But like, I mean, uh, girls, you understand that the guys have a, have a, have a really big eye gate, okay? So... Um, one of the biggest sexual organs of a male is his eyes. And, and, and guys can have, and in our society, oh my goodness me, you've got to believe, you're all old enough that you do not understand the temptation and the world that our, our kids, youth, teenagers are living in. Um, pornography is a different thing in their world than it was even for yours. I'm probably the oldest in the room, I think. I'm 61. And, uh, um, but I'll tell you what, when, when I grew up in Queensland uh, in the 1960s and 1970s, pornography, could, you could get it, but it wasn't easy to get in Queensland. We had Joe Bielke-Peterson, and he outlawed all of that stuff. If we wanted that, we had to come over the border to New South Wales because it was legal in New South Wales. You could go to the corner store and get it. If you did get it, it would be covered up in plastic and sealed. You wouldn't be able to look at it. Um, and, uh, but nowadays, with just the click of a button, and kids have these devices, and just with the click of a button, and you don't understand how, how easy the click of the button is. You're doing, you're doing search on something that is just normal that you're doing for your work and you want to go online and, and, you know, for those who deal in an industry where you're looking for images to put on presentations and things like that, I'll tell you what, you know, some of the images that come up are just not healthy to be seen. Um, and uh, so, and I understand that that actually is a truism too for girls in our society. Um, it's, I, I, I'm not a girl, so I don't understand what you girls see. Like, seriously, I look at all the guys in the room and I just think, why did you say yes? Just, I don't get the attraction for here, okay? But every guy in the room, I get the attraction the other way around. That makes sense in my head. Um, but here's this whole thing of changing our mind. Not only do I change my mind about Chris, I change my mind about other people. Like even on television and on the movies. Now, I know it's a story, 
But those stories are, have actors in them, and those actors are real people. I just think to myself, uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll use one story that's probably a heart story. Um, would it be appropriate if I talked about Corey? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so there's, there's a girl in Melbourne who's like an adopted daughter to me. Now, um, you know, her, her, her life story is shocking. You think of anything that can go wrong in a young woman's world, she's got it. I'm the only man that, and she has said this to me, I'm the only man who loves her for who she is, not for her body. And every man in her life has used her for that. And that's her world. Unfortunately, that's just too true of too many uh, women in our society. Look, she's a gorgeous young woman, but it leads from this to this to this. Next minute, there's drugs, there's all sorts of stuff. And, and she herself has, has talked to me about how boys have got her high and done things with her and got it on their cameras and and like those things are in existence and and just like trying to work through all of that the girl that's on the image on the porn site that's you don't realize it is there someone like Ian who's the adopted dad who prays for her every night who is believing for God to break through in her world and, and that men would see her as the beautiful, loved child of God that she is rather than as an object for their own gratification. On, on the screen, it's just an image. But that image is a person. And uh, I, I remember it like early in my, early in my marriage, I remember... Uh, back in the times, we didn't have the phones that could easily access the internet, but you had the computer that could. And, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, if I went to that site, because you will see where you could click on that, and that would be an easy accidental uh, you know, link to go to and accidentally go to that site and accidentally scroll through the pictures, etc. What would Chris think if... She happened to see that. Like, that would be awful. Because I would be saying that she's not satisfying. I, I would be saying to her that she, for me, is the same as that. She's just a body that I use to get my pleasure and gratification from. It's just like, that. what would my daughter think if she saw her dad? Like, and... Like, and, and I know that it's really easy to hide all of these secret things, um, uh, you know, so that you can set it up so that no one's going to see you do it. But I would, just say, I would just think to myself, what would my daughter think if she saw me looking over these images here? Like, that would be awful. That would be awful for her to see her dad doing that because... I would be devaluing and dishonouring her. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to do that. 
because I love my wife, I love my daughter, and here's my adopted one down in Melbourne. I love her, but no one's loving her the way that I think she deserves to be loved. That's all about changing your mind. That's all that repent thing in that, in that scripture <clears throat> that says, remember, change your mind. Change your mind about your partner. Change your mind about who they are. Change your mind about the familiarity. Change your mind about your actions. Change your mind about which hills are, are worth the fight. Um, and that's kind of like that, that last little one there. I think, I think it's a profound one when I realise that the person that you're married to, the person who's sitting beside you, is like the most important thing in the God who created the heavens. The person who's sitting beside you is an important person for them, they really, really matter. And we're in relationship with somebody who really matters. It's a really big thing. If you grab hold of that, there's the basis for how you can change your mind about what's going on. Can I get hand it over to you? You can. Um, so, Ian, as we've said, remember, repent and repeat. So do the things that you did at first. And look, you can't always do the things you did at first, can you? Um, you know, you, you know, you had the, the instance with your catamaran where, you know, we've had things that well, you just can't repeat them because it, you either have changed as a person or your circumstances have changed. But there was something in the essence of what you did that was so beautiful. And that's the thing that you're seeking to repeat. Um, whether it was the peace and the, the time alone, uh, in amongst the peace of, of the water, or, or for, for um, us when we'd go on a picnic, it was, you know, or a bushwalk, it was just the, the chance to, to be away from the busyness or whatever it is, that's what you're wanting to repeat. And um, uh, I just thought it would be good to talk about uh, together, just something you could start off with um, that that you could you could begin to do again that you did at first. Um, I mean, writing little writing little notes to each other, or you know, I mean, I'm not going to be writing long letters anymore. You know, hey, by the way, all, I do that a lot. Well, you you do write me little cute notes. They'll send me a quick text. You do, you do do that. I don't do that for you. I'm sorry. No, but I'm just letting you know. It's just you do do that. It's, it's nice. I probably don't appreciate it like I should. <laughs> I'll, I'll. Um, but I. I hey, I, and if you've been noticing that I've been massaging your shoulders lately. Um. No. no yeah. No. No. You're not that much. No, I'm just letting you know. I'm just like I'm aware. <laughs> um. Look, I think there's, there is one thing that you, you could do and, and it's just finding that essence of whether it's spontaneity of what you used to do or... Because, um, I mean, we're different people, aren't we? In many ways, we're different people. I, I, I look back and think, goodness me, did I really do that when we were first married? <coughs> like, I mean, some of the 
the sort of person I was. Um, but but there's a, a that that delight in your relationship that you experienced. We, we don't want to lose that because we are precious in God's sight and the person that's walking with you is very precious. Um, so why don't you just have a little chat? What's one thing you would like to do again? Just thought, yeah, maybe you actually already have discussed it you, when you were talking before. You just thought, yeah, we should do that again. So have a minute. Have a think about it. Um, one of the things that, um, as, as a pastor's wife, I get to hear Ian preach and a lot. And, and the Lord um, has been changing Ian's ministry a fair bit. So we've been going around to other churches. So now I'll go with him and I'll, I'll get to hear him preach a sermon I've heard before and before. And I, and I sit there and poor guy, I mean, you know, normally you, your wife's your worst critic, your you know, spouse when you preach. Um, but I'm sitting there thinking, oh, okay, move on, next point, got this one, next one. And God really challenged me with that. And he, he said to me, he said, hey, you're not honouring Ian's gift. Because I'm just sitting there thinking, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that next point. And, then, and the time I get excited is, oh, he hasn't done that before. Oh, that was like, I'm becoming a sermon taster. That's not good. Like, and, uh, and God just said, you're not honouring his gift. Now, I didn't feel honour towards his gift. But I started to pray about it and said, Lord, would you just help me to honour the gift that is in Ian and not to take, you know, it's the familiarity thing again and honour what you're doing in his life. And I started to pray that before I felt it. And then once I prayed for probably a good month or two, then the feelings started to come back. And I was able to listen to him and think, that's awesome. That's a great message, even though I know I've heard it before. And, I, and, and look, I've, we've done that, both of us. Um, you know, you don't always, the feelings don't always come first. So just in, you, you step out and you do the things and then the feelings will come. Mm. They, they will. Um, I, I think there's a, a, you know, there's a, because our heart is to want to honour the person, even though the feelings aren't there. So you step out and then your feelings follow your heart. They come. So really important. Step out and do the things, even though you don't necessarily have those loving feelings. They will come. So that's it. I'm going to pray for you. Does that be good? So let me just lead you in a prayer. So Lord, I want to thank you for marriage i want to thank you for the blessing that it is i want to thank you for how it transforms us i want to thank you for uh the future and the dream that you have for our own individual marriages lord uh for the, any of us here who might actually be struggling in that lord we know that you've got great dreams for us could you help us uh to address that could you help us to communicate with each other? Could you help us to not be in war with each other, but to partner with each other and, and uh, to work through what needs to be worked through? Lord, would you, would you be blessed with the marriage that, marriages that we're all in? 
and uh, we thank you. Lord, uh, every husband in here, we thank you for our wives. Every wife in here, we thank you for our husbands. And uh, when, they, when they walked down the aisle, when, when they saw us in the front there waiting for us, uh, Lord, we love them then. And Lord, we just want to say we love them now. And, uh, and so help us uh, to recapture, if we need to recapture, anything of that first love and help it become deeper in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.